Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Good evening and welcome. This is Evelyn Bowden. Thank you for joining me. The subject of tonight's broadcast is, What have you done for me lately? I will address the statements by some that the black communities made no gains under President Barack Obama and his administration. I will also put forth the premise that we should not expect others to do for us that which we can do for self. What is it that you want? What do you need to get the thing that you want? Just the beginning of questions to be asked as individuals and as a community. There are those within the black community who continue to say President Obama did nothing for the black community. In fact, from the beginning, many doubted his abilities, even questioned if he was black enough to do what needed to be done to help the black community. For my listeners, I will point out a few of the things that directly impacted the African-American community. Things that I find far too often many in the black community say they are not aware of. In discussions I often hear, oh, I didn't know that. For example, high school graduation rates increased every year to an all-time high of 83.2%. The highest increase in graduation rates was among black students. The largest decrease in federal prison population in over 30 years came about by the Fair Sentencing Act, where retroactive reduction in disparity between crack and powdered cocaine possessions from 100 to one down to 18 to one. Also came the reduction of discrimination against former prisoners in federal hiring, giving applicants with criminal histories a fair shot. It became known as ban the box. African Americans make up 18% of the federal workforce, some 340 3,663, considerably larger than Hispanics, who make up 8.4%, Asians, who make up 5.6% of the federal workforce. He also rescued the economy, resulting in 82 consecutive months of jobs growth and the reduction in the unemployment rate. African Americans saw a 46.4% reduction in unemployment from 16.8% down to 7.8%. That was a drop of 9 percentage point, the largest decrease in unemployment rate of the four major subgroups. The unemployment rates for blacks again dropped 9 percentage points, Hispanics 7 percentage points, Asians 5.8 percentage points, 
and whites for 0.9 percentage points. We'll go into this in a little more detail shortly. President Obama also put Medicare on a sound footing, made sure that it was funded through 2028. Now, the next area that directly impacted uh, African-American community was health care reform and the expanded health care coverage for the children, improved school nutrition, expansions of the uh, definition of hate crime, the revision in the Department of Justice of the Civil Rights Division. The Civil Rights Division tackled fair housing, unemployment discrimination, and it increased focus on discriminatory policing practices. The administration won major victories in housing and mortgage discrimination. And one such victory was now the need is only to show disparate impact, not intent to discriminate. Before you had to prove that the party, or the discriminatory party, was discriminating against you. You had to show that that was their intent. But now you only have to prove that the resulting impact was discriminatory. Now I will examine in more details the changes in uh, unemployment rate because again that impacts the African American community more um, so than some of the other things that we have in our society but unemployment is I think pretty much at the top of the list and we go on from there. But first I want to talk about the idea of bringing businesses into the black community. I listened to a discussion recently on the demand that we must put on Donald Trump and his administration to bring jobs into to the black community. Now, the point I want to make in this area is this. There are no major manufacturing jobs to be brought back to the U.S., let alone put in the black community, primarily due to technology, as I said earlier. These jobs are taken over now by machines and not illegal aliens and not uh, farmed out to other countries. Point two, companies make decisions on where they locate based on location, based on a skilled, prepared workforce, based on a show of community pride and the accessibility of raw material. Now, number two and three, the skilled, prepared workforce and the show of community pride, that's on you. That's on the community. And you can't demand that government or even businesses take care of that for you. When you have a ready workforce, a skilled, ready workforce, and your community, and you show just your, it's shown just by looking at the conditions in your community that you have an element of community pride, then you can take that directly to the company and ask them to consider locating within your community, not demand that the government dictate to businessmen and women where to locate their businesses. That's not how it works. If you want 20% of the workforce to be drawn from within your community, then you must have a ready pool of workers. And that ready pool should be at least 50% with more in the pipeline being trained. Who trains them? You do. Or you make provision for them to be trained. And who cleans up your community of the 
abandoned buildings and the trash and garbage and abandoned cars, the unkempt lawns and green spaces. Who do that? You do, the citizens. And you can take that and present directly to the companies yourself, even present it to new businesses, to entrepreneurs who need places to come and test out their new business. You can show that you have workers ready and you have facilities that can house their businesses and help them as they help you to grow. Now, uh, if you go to EvelynBowden.com, that's the website, there are charts on there that pretty much put a visual to what goes on in the African-American community as far as employment is concerned. And there are some reasons why there are high unemployment rates. Education is an issue, yes. But there's also the fact that African-Americans are concentrated in states that don't have high growth or high job openings. They're not there. The, the jobs are not there, not just for them to consider but for the general population. I looked at the top 10 states with the most job openings and the most job growth. There are only four of those states that have significant black populations that are showing growth. Number two is Texas, number seven, Massachusetts, number eight, New York, and number 10 is South Carolina. On my 10 states with most job openings and most job growth. Only those four states that that have significant black populations, only those four states have the most jobs opening and projections of most jobs growth. So therein presents a problem. Either you move to one of the other states or you have to retrain and fight for the jobs, the few jobs that are available in those states. The jobs without, uh, the states uh, without significant black populations are North Dakota, Utah, Colorado, Washington State, South Dakota, and Idaho. They have large job openings, projection of large job growth, but the black population are not in those states in any appreciable numbers. Actually, there weren't, um, for most of the studies that were being done having to do with employment and unemployment, there wasn't enough in these states to even consider uh, that class of workers. So there, the jobs that are open and the jobs with the most growth are not in the areas that are populated or that is populated by a significant black population. The other problem I saw is that it's in the, t actually the types of jobs that are open. In the states, the four states that do have significant black populations and significant openings and projection for growth, the job types are energy, healthcare, manufacturing in the state of South Carolina, finance, real estate, technology, and construction. So if you want to position yourself for jobs in the four states with the most job opening, you will have to be skilled or trained in energy, healthcare, manufacturing, finance, real estate, technology, or construction. When I looked at the types of jobs currently held by the African-American workforce, education and educational services, social assistance, health care, those, those jobs are number one. 29.5% of African-Americans have 
those type of jobs. That's 29.5% of the workforce is in those types of jobs. The second largest group work in retail trade. 11.5% of African Americans in retail trade. With the exception of health care in the number one and number two jobs frequently held by African Americans, only health care showed up on the most openings and also the projection for growth. The third area with the next highest concentration of African-American workers are the arts and entertainment, recreation, accommodations, and food services. Number four is professional, scientific, and management, administrative, and waste management services. Manufacturing comes in as number five with 8.5% of the workers in manufacturing. Then you go on down, number six, public administration, number seven, transportation and warehousing, finance and insurance, real estate, number eight, other service services, uh, number nine. Now, this is interesting. Construction, which we saw was among the one with the most uh, job openings and and uh, the potential for job growth. Uh, construction, only 2.9% of those jobs are currently being held by African Americans, and I found that uh, that an interesting uh, statistic there. Information services. 2%. Again, information actually showed up on in high demand on the list of jobs, but in states that didn't have the high uh, African-American population. Wholesale trade, 1.7%. And agriculture, forestry, fishing, hunting, and mining, 0.6%. Mining showed up as one of the jobs in the state not populated by a large uh, group of African-American or black um, people. Uh, mining was on that list, but we have 0.6% of the African-American workforce in that field. So it makes it difficult to, even if you were ready, if you don't live where the jobs openings are, it makes it very difficult to be hired. So what needs to happen is first, the community needs to be educated, one, into the jobs that are open, and then they need to look at whether they are prepared or not, or if they want to go into some of those fields, are they willing to move? A whole lot of misinformation about what is happening with us and about what drives this. If we don't, we don't live where the jobs are and are not willing to go where the jobs are, and along with that, are not willing to create jobs for ourselves, then we're destined to stay at the bottom when it comes to employment in this country. There again, it's up to us to educate ourselves. This information is out there, but it's up to us to educate ourselves about jobs availability, what types of jobs are out there, where they are, what we need to do to gear up for those jobs, and how do we prepare our community to perhaps be competitive and bring those jobs in. That's on us. We cannot wait for someone to say you have got to move if you want a job or someone to say well you need to change your field if you want a job you need to retool yourself if you want a job well if you want this type of job to come into your community these types of businesses to come into your community well you need to train in that field and it has to be an appreciable number to justify companies to relocate in your area you have to do that you cannot sit back and 
can say, well, they didn't give us no attention. You didn't give yourself any attention. Or did you bring that to their attention if you thought that they had the power or they are the solution to your problem. But the real solution lies within the community itself. The community has to be willing to take responsibility for that. I looked at some of the the schools in some of the communities and I wonder how they are even graduating because uh, this one particular school I looked at had a 72% graduation rate. Now this was a high school, but when you looked at the math and reading ability of the students, you had students that were reading at about, no, their math was about 5%. 5% of the students were proficient in math and Roughly 35% were proficient in reading, but they had a 72% graduation rate. Now, that doesn't compute. That doesn't make any sense to me. How can you have high school students with only 6% of them able to do math and only roughly 35% of them able to read? How do you graduate those students and even count them as graduate graduates? And what does that do as they venture out into the workforce? If they cannot read, of what value are they to a potential employer? How can you go to someone and say, well, we need jobs. How about coming into my community with your plan? Well, if you get there with the plan and there is nobody trained and and nobody with the ability to be trained to fill those jobs, then you got another problem. Then you're going to complain that, well, they brought all these people in to the community. So they they brought their plan here, but they, they don't hire from the community. If you don't have people that are able to take those jobs, that are able to be trained, and the people should be trained, you should not expect that every business that moves within your community train your community. You should not expect that. If that's what you expect, then what is your bargaining power? What kind of bargaining power do you have? What do you have to offer them? There's got to be a reason that there are only four states with a large black populations that also have large job openings and large job growth. There's got to be a reason. And there is a reason. You can look a little deeper into the decision-making process and you'll find certain things. And number one, the number one category has to do with the education of the workforce and the skills of the workforce. The other thing has to do with cost of doing business within a certain area. A lot of people don't want to accept that the responsibility is on us. Well, just the same as it is with people uh, talking about the high incarceration rate. Yes, there is disparity between sentences. Yes, there is. And yes, there is a substantial amount of, in some cases, wrongful incarceration. But there's far too much incarceration because of doing or choosing to do the crime. Putting yourself in the situation to where you are more likely than not to be arrested. And if you are arrested and convicted, then you will get more time than if you were of another uh, race or culture. But a lot, a lot of things that can be done to help our community come with come, the responsibility is on us. And far too many of us don't want to accept that. 
And once we do that, you will hear less of, well, this president didn't do anything for us or that one didn't do uh, anything for us. And I found it very comical, especially now that we do have the new president seated. As I was looking into some things having to do with jobs in the community and having to do with the businesses, and I'll talk about the businesses on a future program. I mean, that's a whole nother beast. That's totally different than having jobs in your community. I'm talking about the black businesses, the black owned business, the entrepreneurs that bring businesses um, into the community. That's a whole nother area and it comes with its a whole nother set of problems, if you will. But as I was looking at different things like that, like the businesses, I found it very comical that, especially at the Chamber of Commerce level, the national level, that the people put more trust in Donald Trump to be the savior of black businesses and, and bringing business to the black community. I also found it very sad that the pushback that President Obama faced when he first came in, before he did anything or had the opportunity to do anything, that for everyone that was very vocal out there for you to see, there was some stuff going on behind the scenes that we, the general population, didn't have any idea about. And it came from the black business community and the lack of confidence that it had in the president from the start and in the way that it, well, it didn't really approach him at all because remember the, what is that? The the poverty bus, remember that thing? Well, there was some other stuff like that going on behind the scenes in our black business groups. And so that's why there's not a whole lot. When you look at some of the information out there, there's a, not a lot about the interaction between the black business groups and the president. But there is a lot, when you look at his accomplishments, there is a lot that he did that actually favored them, that they could actually benefit from. But in their efforts to, I don't know what their efforts were, what, was it just to pre prevent him from doing something or, or trying to compete with him? I, I don't know. I don't understand that. But whatever it is, it resulted in, um, in a situation where had there perhaps been more interaction there between the administration and the black businesses, Instead of this pushback saying, you know, well, he can't do anything for us. He doesn't know what he's talking about. If if you if we had more of that, then perhaps some of the black businesses would be better off. I know I, I find it sad when we go to trade shows and things like that. And we see people from all over the world. I'm not going to just say all over the United States. No, from we see people from all over the world. Some countries that I didn't know exists, but we don't see black people, black business people trying to uh, showcase their products or even trying to acquire products, trying to establish relationships with uh, companies from other countries. There, oh, there's so many opportunities, but they're in, not in the room. So how can you take advantage of them if you're not in the room? That's a sad thing. Go where the jobs are. And if you look into Go into business, go to some of these fairs, these job fairs, and see what's out there and some of the possibilities. I was kind of, you know, excited about uh, 
the possibility of working under the TPP because uh, it would open up so much. You could immediately see where even someone as small as perhaps what we call the mom and pops, the mom and pop shop could have benefited from the TPP. The big boys are already over there. Well, we call them big boys, you know, from the South. But the big boys are already over there. The large corporations are already over there, already in other countries. They have already established relationships, and they are importing and exporting. The TPP leveled the field to the point that the little guy could get in the game. But that's no more. That's no more. Not, not under this president. Join me again next Saturday on uh, Let's Talk with Evelyn Bowden, and we'll talk some more about things that are happening here daily in this country and how they're changing hourly. A lot of stuff that is going on, a lot of us knew was coming, and some people took a gamble anyway. We, In this case, this, this dice was rolled, and we came up short. We lost this one on this one big time. Um, I don't know whether people just have uh, rose-colored glasses on or what, but there seems to be, even in the face of what is happening, there seems to be a group of people who just don't see that this is not where we want to be. This is not where we want to go. Because one truth I know is that whatever is done, if it's done to one class of people, it opens the door to be done to each and every other class. There was some uh, applauding at the idea of sending troops into Chicago, and I, uh, yeah, uh, I'm sure you know they, you know, they could possibly help up there. But you know, the danger in doing that is once you send the troops into Chicago, then it's easier to send them into your city or my city. Why do you have to send the troops there? Why not get on the ground and work first? Work with that work with the mayor and 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 the government there in trying to deal with not not just the crime on the part of the citizens. When you have a scathing report of your own police force, if the police are breaking the laws, and they are, and getting away with them, I mean, all the way up to murder. If the police are committing crimes, and the citizens are committing crimes, who's doing what? So how about getting in there and trying to help, as opposed to um, sending troops in, and one thing that will is most likely happen is uh, more people will die, a lot of more people will be incarcerated, and the problems will still exist. And a lot of us hope against hope that we can hold on perhaps to maybe two years, for maybe two years, and perhaps get rid of some of the people that are uh, representing us there in Washington that are not doing anything, that are not pushing back against this president, that we can hold on for two years. But well, we're, we're very skeptical about uh, being able to make to four years and still have some semblance of a democracy left. This is America. And for those that took joy in the possibility of some negative things happening to different groups of people based on their race, their religion, their sexual preference, for those that took joy in any of that, thinking that, that uh, you would come out better, 
the reality is that we're all in this thing together. And in a lot of cases, it's the very people who will be hurt the most by some of these policies that actually voted this president in. I can say that it's a sad state that we're in in America right now. I will talk more in detail about things like jobs and education and businesses in the African-American community because we're coming up on what traditionally has been called Black History Month. But our, we're making history every day, and I, I will uh, dedicate the broadcasts for February around things that, will, that impact us as a people, as a, a race of people and how we fit into the greater society. We will touch base about some of the historical things, but I think more relevant to us now is where we are now and where do we go from here. So I will be uh, looking into that. Join me again next Saturday at 7 p.m. and invite uh, someone else to listen as we continue on Let's Talk with Evelyn Bowding. The call-in numbers are 657 383 one one three two and as usual you are invited to call in whenever we broadcast live with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case i pronounce you lucky Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.